Welcome to the Chilean Sea Blob Podcast. In each episode, I'll share a previously published short fiction written by me, Theodore Carter. The stories will slither in and out of genre distinctions, but will consistently stay weird. Now, let's get started with today's story. Sonia's Insatiable Hunger I'd asked her not to go, but there she was, bouncing on stage on her toes, her head bobbing as she gulped down her 43rd hot dog. 5,000 ruckus fans cheered. I knew she was counting bites. One, two, three, four, then a big swig of water before swallowing it all down. She shoved in another dog, her cheeks bulged like a chipmunk's. The crowd bellowed, eat, 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 in time with the digital clock's diminishing seconds. They all wanted the tiny Asian girl to out-eat the 12 beefy men beside her. I tried to remain disaffected, but it was hard not to get caught up in it. An ESPN camera loomed over her shoulder. A boom mic captured the sounds of her chewing, her slurps of water in between dogs. The broadcast lit up the jumbotrons around the stage. Sonia remained impervious to distraction. She watched the clock, tracking her pace, I knew. Five dogs a minute would put her just shy of 55, she'd said last week. I'd pretended I wasn't listening, that I still thought she'd bow out. If she beat that pace, stayed a fraction of a dog ahead, she'd take the record. 52 hot dogs at the nine-minute mark. Her jaw slowed. She put her hands to her belly but kept chewing, her pursed lips not quite closed. Bits of hot dog bun fell from her mouth onto the blue plastic tablecloth. Her eyes narrowed, then bulged as she pushed the food down her throat with her tongue. Behind her, a blonde in a bikini held up a sign showing the number 53, 15 dogs ahead of the closest competitor. The MC shouted, She's closing in on a new record! Someone banged on a cowbell. She swallowed her 54th dog and looked at the clock as she reached for another. 30 seconds more, but after feeling in front of her with her hand, she looked down and noticed an empty tray. No dogs. She motioned to someone off stage, and Nathan's stagehand scurried about behind her. Ten seconds passed, and still she didn't have a hot dog. The crowd started chanting her name. Sonia! 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 A lone man broke the collective cheer by cupping his hands to his mouth and bellowing, Bring her some fucking hot dogs! Fifteen seconds left. Sonia looked at the full plate of the opponent to her left. She grabbed a dog and wolfed it down. Fifty-five. The crowd boomed. Sonia's burgled opponent, startled by the audience's outburst, looked over at her as she grabbed another, her fifty-sixth dog. He made a move with his elbow as if ready to fend her off, but stopped and instead tilted his body to grant her access. The audience stood. Some still chanted her name. Others quieted in awe. Some had begun to count down the last ten seconds on the clock. The MC screamed unintelligible sounds in a staccato rhythm into his microphone. Sonia put the record-setting dog into her mouth and chewed, chewed, chewed. Three, two, one. She took a big swig of water and swallowed. The buzzer sounded and she pumped her fists into the air. The MC grabbed her right hand and raised it high, almost yanking her off the ground. Flashbulbs, cheering, fireworks from backstage, and the crowd in unison chanted her name full force. 
Sonia, Sonia, Sonia. She wiped her mouth on her sleeve and with the hot dog bun crumbs gone, looked instantaneously beautiful. Her opponents slumped in their chairs, drooped their heads over their fat necks or walked off stage. Their hulking bodies accentuated the improbability of her feat. You've witnessed history, a new world record, belted out the MC. A polo-shirted man emerged from backstage and placed an enormous gold crown on her head. It slid over her left eye. She righted it, maybe fiddled with it a little longer than needed, knowing it played well for the cameras. The petite princess of pickles, the madam of meatballs, the sexy mama of samosas, and now the text below Sonia's image on the jumbotron proclaimed her the diva of dogs. A handsome ESPN reporter interviewed her on stage. Nathan's was the biggest contest in the world, and I knew it could be the victory that ruined us. The crowd mostly gone. I stood among a few hundred people watching as the reporter let his mic fall to his side, smiled at Sonia, and patted her on the back. She turned away and her face fell. She placed her hands over her stomach, hunched, and shuffled backstage. I'd momentarily forgotten what she'd told me about how it feels afterwards. The bile collects in her esophagus. Bits of food keep coming into her mouth and her stomach lurches, spasms begging her to throw up. I walked toward the side of the stage and saw the stagehands direct her toward the competitor's tent. A rope with an attached sign reading, Employees Only, kept me away. The chatter of the MC had given way to the blaring pop music. Still, I could hear the sound of the competitors retching. I could distinguish Sonia from the rest. I saw Dump Truck Doug, the construction worker from Chicago, come out of the tent, smile slightly, wipe his mouth, then put his arm around a pretty blonde. She patted his stomach, and they walked off together. A few other competitors emerged, plodding off like factory workers at the end of a shift. Then, Sonia. I yelled to her. She turned, and I saw the paleness of her smooth skin, the bags under her eyes, absent of the radiance she'd shown for the cameras. You came, she said. Of course, I said, which was a stupid thing to say because I told her I wouldn't. That was amazing. She smiled and said, I can't believe it. She came over to the rope, and I wanted to hug her, but I knew I couldn't touch her, not until she'd finished digesting. No one can. They love you. What about you? I'm so proud of you, I said. It was true, but I hated that she'd won. She'd flown to New York because I'd refused to drive her. Nevertheless, she agreed to ride with me back to D.C. I helped her into the front seat. She reclined her chair and shut her eyes. Aaron, she said, her eyes still closed and her face pointed toward the sunroof. Yeah, thanks for coming. I feared she believed my presence was an apology, but I said, sure. She wasn't asleep, but lay still. I watched her from the corner of my eye as I drove down 95. I could almost see her concentrating on her digestion, willing her body to quell the chaos in her stomach. She winced, squeezing her eyes tighter and accentuating the crow's feet. In less than two years, she'd be 40. She fell asleep. I wished we could have talked during the drive to clear the air. Instead, I listened to CDs she wouldn't put up with while awake. I noticed the car making a grinding noise and was thankful that with Sonia's prize money, we could probably afford to fix it. She awoke when I exited 495 and headed to Silver Spring. I looked over at her and she smiled back. I slept on the couch, 
Sonia needed to sleep alone, soundly, and on her back. I wanted to press my body against hers, smell her, and receive silent assurance that things were okay. When she woke in the morning, she came to the couch where I lay reading a magazine and kissed me on my head. How you feeling? I asked. Good, she said. She walked over to the kitchen and poured a glass of milk. She took a prenatal vitamin out of the cupboard. This gave me hope until she reached for the round disc that held her birth control pills. I sat up quickly, almost said something, then thought better of it. Let her have this moment, I told myself. Prenatal vitamin, the doctor had said, was good preparation for pregnancy. This pissed me off. The first step toward pregnancy, I thought, was sex without contraceptives. Seeing Sonia swallow both pills was maddening. In a few days, I'd tell her so. I walked to the phone and looked at the answering machine. I'd turned off the ringer when we'd arrived home the night before, and now there were 52 messages. Sonia saw me and said, How many? 52. She exhaled deeply. Oh, Jesus, she said. Come on, Sonia. This is your favorite part. She smiled. Okay, it's not all bad, and it's great for the sport. And you look so much better on TV than Dump Truck Doug. I hugged her, ran my hand down her back to her ass. How are you feeling? I asked. Are you so concerned about me or just wanting to know if I'm well enough to fuck? Fucking is good for digestion, I read. Well, you should call Dump Truck Doug. He came away from that contest much worse off than I did. I'm not so concerned about Doug, I said, but I'd really like to help you out. I kissed her on the neck right below her ear. She pushed her hair out of the way and led me to the bedroom. As I followed, I told myself how much I loved her, how half the guys in the audience yesterday were fantasizing about doing what I was about to do, and how completely backwards it was for me, the man, to harbor a nagging frustration that the sex would be purely recreational. Sonia spent most of the afternoon on the phone doing interviews and arranging appearances. I walked to Ellsworth Drive and picked up three burritos for her lunch and one for mine. I took my time about it, buying a soda, grabbing a freebie paper, and sitting on a bench for a while. When I came back to the apartment, after fiddling with the lock, Sonia stood in the middle of the living room with a wide grin on her face. What's with you, I said. Want to go to New York tomorrow? We just came from New York. New York City, paid for. A cell of train tickets and a hotel right near Times Square. I've got work. Her grin faded into a slight smile. Wrong answer. I can phone in. Good Morning America wants me, and you'll be in the studio too. Are you serious? That's fantastic, I said. I could tell she wanted me to be excited, but really, I didn't feel much like being Mr. Sonia Green. I wanted her to have her moment, not share it. And they want you tomorrow? While the Nathan's win is still news, she hugged me tight around the neck, pulling me down to her. I wrapped my arms around her thin body. This is so great, Aaron. Yeah, I said. An intern sat me in a chair behind the crew, and I watched them set up for the segment. Sonia stood with her arms raised as the sound engineer hooked a mic transmitter to the waistband of her miniskirt. After a lot of talk about the perfect outfit, Sonia had chosen the XXL t-shirt from the Nathan's contest, only rolled up at the arms and knotted in front to expose her midriff. A media-savvy dog diva, she knew to exploit her sex appeal and the peculiarity of her petite size. The sound engineer finished, and a slick guy in a suit, obviously her interviewer, talked with Sonia. 
She looked serious and nodded in response. A crew member had placed a platter of hot dogs and a large cup of water on the table in front of her. In the background, hordes of tourists milled about with their trademark shout-out signs. Then, the floor director, standing near me, yelled, 30 seconds! The crew scattered like cockroaches. The handsome man and Sonia stood smiling and looking at the camera, and the crowd behind them came alive with shouts and cheers. Ten, nine, eight, yelled the floor director. He signaled the final three numbers with his fingers, then pointed at the interviewer. We're live in Times Square with Sonia Green, diva of dogs, winner of the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest and the $10,000 prize. Sonia, how many hot dogs did you eat? I ate 56 hot dogs in 10 minutes, she said. Wow-wee, he said, rocking forward on his toes, his eyes bugging. He went on to ask the usual questions. They go something like this. One, how do you stay so thin? Two, how do you prepare for a contest? Three, how did you get into competitive eating? Sonia gave the usual answers, which go like this. One, I work out nearly four hours a day. Two, I eat one large meal every day to train my stomach to expand. Three, when I was in eighth grade, I challenged a boy to a pizza eating contest in the cafeteria. I beat him and then went on to beat others, and I found that I was pretty good at eating. She used these prepared responses over and over, and each sounded sincere. I disliked the answers. The TV Sonia was simpler than the Sonia I knew. The daily four-hour workout and the long lunch doesn't leave time for a normal job. Sonia works part-time at the front desk of our apartment building. She accepts packages from the UPS boy, makes sure guests sign the guest book, and buzzes in the pizza man. This, along with her prize money and a few endorsements, puts her annual income at about 20000 There are also the costs of clothes, makeup for the appearances, and steep grocery bills. We'd spent over $100 on Nathan's hot dogs last month alone. She challenged the 8th grader to an eating contest out of desperation. He teased her relentlessly since 6th grade. He liked to lift the hem of her skirt. Then, when she knocked his hand away, say, I just wanted to know if it's true, if it's slanted like your eyes. Already, knowing something of her talent, she'd asked him if he'd promised to leave her alone if she could out-eat him. He'd made several lewd comments about how she could eat him, then said, I'll do your eating contest, number two, which was his nickname for her because she was pencil thin with yellow skin. The next morning, she skipped breakfast and stole pizza money from her dad's wallet. At lunch, kids gathered around them and cheered as they ate. After she devoured all ten slices of her pizza, she looked up and wiped the tomato sauce off her face with the back of her hand. Those around watched in awestruck silence. Her nemesis stared at her too, then down at his remaining seven slices of pizza. Someone yelled, Fuck, you got schooled, Dan, and the kids started laughing. Someone else said, Looks like number two is now number one. Sonia carried the new nickname through graduation, taking down several challengers along the way. Back in Times Square, the interviewer asked Sonia to eat as many hot dogs as she could in 30 seconds. She ate four, which was pretty amazing considering the early hour. Faster than her Nathan's pace, a sprint. She wiped up with a pink towel and listened as the interviewer exclaimed over her skill. Then he said to her, A lot of guys in the audience have noticed you're not wearing a wedding ring. Anyone special? I'm just concentrating on competitive eating right now, training hard. She never wore her ring. She scored more endorsement money that way. Officially, I was okay with it. 
Well, I know a lot of guys out there are going to be real interested in competitive eating from now on. Great, said Sonia. The sport is growing. It's encouraging to see more and more people at these events each year. Thank you, Sonia, said the interviewer. Then he stood smiling, frozen, staring at the camera until the director yelled, Clear! The masses in the background relaxed and the crew came in to break down the table and remove the hot dog tray. The director shook Sonia's hand and showed her where I was, then pointed to the door leading into the studio. While walking alongside the crew, his mind was clearly on the next segment. You were great, Sonia, I said. She smiled. It was pretty fun, you know, not competing, but just showing off. Yeah, you play great for the cameras. They want you for anything else? Nah, we can get out of here. Just let me use the bathroom first, okay? Okay, I'll wait here, I said. Everyone assumed Sonia was bulimic, and I hated that she couldn't deny it. Lots of athletes are, according to Sonia, and not just in competitive eating. Cross-country runners, wrestlers, all sports where discipline is paramount. We got back on the train. Sonia looked out the window as we pulled out of Grand Central. She placed her hand on my knee, and I put my palm over hers. I listened to the rhythmic slap of the train's wheels against the track. The hoopla surrounding Sonia's wind would diminish from here on out. There'd be other media attention, but nothing this big. Things would calm down now, and we'd be left with each other in the argument. It would be a long ride home, and I knew I had to bring it up. I sat straighter. Sonia looked at me. Her face fell. She knew. Sonia, do you still want to have kids? Yes, I've told you. She turned from me to look at the backs of the warehouses lining the train tracks. You're 38, Sonia. No response. Then she turned toward me. Her eyes narrowed, and she spoke with a flat voice. Do you realize what you're asking me to do? I'm asking you to start a family with me. I'm the best, Aaron. If there was any way to do both... There isn't, she said. I know it's hard. What do you know? You've never been this good at anything. I wish you'd shut up about it, she said. That's low, not fair. We talked through clenched jaws. You're goddamn right it's not, she said. Everything is about your eating. It's selfish. We're poor. We're childless. She tightened her fists. In the past, she'd used a quiet, almost apologetic tone when we had this discussion. After a moment, she said, How about we go home? I'll throw out my birth control pills and you fuck me until we procreate. Or I'll get a 40-hour-a-week job and start eating three meals a day. I'll get pregnant, gain weight, have a baby, stop training altogether, and sit in a cubicle while our kids go to daycare. Sound good? This sounded right to me, but Sonia talked like it was a nightmarish fairy tale. She turned to look out the window, and I stared at my hands. I thought of the first time I met her. I stopped for lunch at Three Brothers Pizza in Gaithersburg. A stage had been set up. Rows of seats faced it. The manager announced the annual pizza eat-off. Sonia came on stage along with three other competitors. I'd been surprised to see a woman, and I'd stayed because she was beautiful. I'd fallen in love with her as she competed. The way her smile had faded seconds before the buzzer, the viciousness with which she'd attacked her pizza, and how she'd wiped the red sauce from her face with her shirt sleeve, the way she'd punched the air when the time ended and she realized she'd won. I watched the back of her head, her straight black hair resting on her shoulders. I knew what I had to say, and I knew I had to say it when Sonia couldn't see how my face betrayed my words. Sonia, maybe we don't need to have kids. There are other ways to be happy. Maybe, she said, still facing the window, but I don't want that either. She turned to me with tears on her cheeks 
and leaned toward me. I held her and stroked her hair. Her thin body bobbed in rhythm with her silent sobs. Resting my chin on the top of her head, I watched the simple houses and worn water tower of a New Jersey suburb pass. I knew that tomorrow we'd wake in our one-bedroom apartment. Before breakfast, Sonia would go to the cupboard, take out her prenatal vitamin and her birth control pill, and swallow both of them. I would do my best not to say anything. Thank you to Prism Review for first publishing this story. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's story. If you did, please leave a rating and a review. Also, please tell a friend directly. Personal recommendations help a lot. My main goal with this podcast is to grow an audience for future work, and it'd be great to connect with more odd people who like strange art. I'd love to connect on social media. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at TheodoreCarter2 or on Facebook with the handle at ChileanCBlog. This story and other stories in this podcast are part of my book, The Life Story of a Chilean Sea Blob and Other Matters of Importance. The book is available wherever books are sold online, and you can find links to all of my books on my website, theodorecarter.com. You can also find other things there, like videos of me making a giant cement eyeball or turning traffic boxes into robots. Music from this podcast comes from TMI Management, TMI mgmt.com. Thanks again for being here and I hope you come again.